Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, March 1st, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, uh, you know, big week at the NFL Combine. It's going to be a big weekend. It's going to be a, a big early next week for the former Buckeye players. But let's uh, start right at the top with Dwayne Haskins. He weighed in. Uh, he measured in, I should say, at six foot three. Three eighths, so basically six three and a half. Uh, I always thought he was taller than six three. He was listed at six three at Ohio State. I always thought he was a little taller than that. So about six three and a half, two hundred thirty two pounds. Kyler Murray uh, measured in at, at five ten and one eighth, two hundred seven pounds. My question for you: Who do you think is going to go first between those two quarterbacks, and where do you think they're going to go? How high do you think they're going to go? Yeah, living out here in Arizona, there's a lot, a lot of chatter about uh, the Cardinals willing to roll the dice on Kyler Murray, which I think is just a a, a tremendous gamble for for a guy that's that small as a quarterback. I know people thought he was going to be a lot smaller than what he measured out at, but I just can't uh, risk it. I know out here in the Valley, they've been talking uh, that Kyler Murray fits uh, the offense that they want to run as opposed to Josh Rosen. So I would not be shocked at this time if they went ahead and selected Kyler Murray number one. I know Steve Kime, the Arizona GM, did Josh Rosen no favors at the Combine talking about he's currently our quarterback as of today. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be our quarterback tomorrow. So if they get a, a, a offer that they can't refuse, I can absolutely see them moving on. But with that being said, I believe Dwayne Haskins is clearly a better quarterback. I think he's more NFL ready. I think the skill set that Dwayne Haskins brings to the table, he can step into a franchise such as the, the New York Giants or Jacksonville Jaguars and really elevate that offense for what they're at. I would be highly concerned about the injuries uh, of Kyler Murray, taking those hits, his style of game. We've seen that um, style of play previously from the RG3s, guys who uh, can throw the ball, but they like to get outside the pocket and they're more uh, averse to taking those type of hits. Whereas Dwayne Haskins, he's a student of the game, tremendous high football IQ. He's going to be in the film room. He's going to be a leader. He has the prototypical size. He has the NFL arm where he can play anywhere in the NFL. Dwayne Haskins, he can play in the AFC North or the NFC East, whereas a Kyler Murray, I don't think his arm is strong enough with his size to withstand some of those type of uh, harsh conditions that you're going to see in late November and December. So I think Kyler Murray will probably go uh, ahead of Dwayne if you're – if you're believing the smoke that's out there, but I think Dwayne's going to be a better NFL prospect. I'm with you. I'm with you. I still hope that Dwayne actually goes ahead of Kyler, but the bottom line is I do think he's going to be a better, better NFL quarterback. And that's what it's all about. Um, some other Buckeyes that have measured in Mike Jordan measured in six, five and seven, eight. So basically six foot six, that's about as close to six foot six as you can get. 
uh, six foot six, 312 pounds for Mike Jordan. And then Isaiah Prince measured in at six foot six and a half, 305 pounds. And then Mike Weber, five nine and five eighths and 211 pounds. Let's start with Mike Jordan. Um, where do you, what round do you think he'll go in? I think he's probably going to be a second round guy for the simple fact that his versatility is going to be huge for him. Uh, showing that he was an all Big Ten center. I actually think he played better as a guard at Ohio State and just showing that he has that versatility that he can play at that center or the guard position is really going to increase his value. I think he's going to be potentially a second-round guy, maybe an early third round. I can't see him sliding past the third round, uh, so I expect him to be uh, one of those second-day picks once once his name is called. And Isaiah Prince, same question. Where do do you forecast he's going to go, J-Book? I mean, there's a lot of bad tape on Isaiah Prince. As Ohio State fans know, he, between him and J.B. Sugars, I don't know who had the most false starts in their Ohio State career. I mean, there were games that Isaiah Prince looked good, but there's also uh, a lot of games when you just scratched your head and wondering if they had anyone better at that position. So I think it's going to take the right team. You never know. Um, Andrew Norwell was a guy that went undrafted now. He's one of the highest paid offense alignments in the NFL, and he was darn good at Ohio State. Uh, at Prince, you can't teach his size. I think he probably will be a better guard in the NFL because I don't know if he has the feet to be able to handle a Khalil Mack or uh, a J.J. Watt or a Bosa uh, in the NFL with that type of pressure. I think they may look at him as a guard, and if that's so, he could be potentially a fifth, sixth-round pick. What about Mike Weber? I mean, obviously he's going to be a, a third day guy, but with third day is a lot of there's a lot of room there. It's rounds four through seven. There's a lot of compensatory picks. I, I guess I can compare him kind of like to not necessarily the exact same player, but a lot like Boom Heron. Boom Heron was a sixth round pick, stuck in the NFL for like five years. I think I see something similar for Weber, like fifth or sixth round. What do you, what do you think for Weber? I agree with that, and I think it's also going to be contingent on how well he tests it. There was moments when you saw Mike Weber had a tremendous burst when he got in the open field. How that translate into the combine numbers will be interesting to see. Is he a 4-4, a 4-5 guy? Uh, if he pops a 4-6, 4-7, that's going to be an absolute dagger to his draft stop. But if he shows up to the combine and he puts up really good numbers and then he parlays that into a really good pro day at Ohio State, I can see him making some money for himself. I just think that there's probably better backs in the draft right now. So those rounds that you mentioned is is where I would guess as well when it comes to Mike Weber. Uh, We're going to move on from the draft. It's a little less than two months now away. It's fun to say that here on March 1st. Welcome to March, everybody, because the draft is April 25th through the 27th. We are now less than two months away. But let's move on from that, Jay Book. Let's talk about the current Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's focus on the offensive line, especially now with the news that Jonah Jackson is a Buckeye. You know, you and I have talked about the possibility of, of them landing him. It's the first time we've talked since they have landed him. Um, huge news there. Um, my question for you, sir, this is uh, one every Buckeye fan wants to know. How do you project the offensive line? Go left to right. Um, and just how do you project the starting offensive line is going to shake out for the Buckeyes uh, this fall? Yeah, just going left to right, I think uh, Thayer Mumford will be a guy that resumes that left tackle spot. I know Josh Alibi played really well in his absence. 
Uh, I think they're going to go ahead and let Thayer uh, get his crack back at that left tackle spot. And then the left guard is obviously could be interchangeable. Uh, Wyatt Davis started at that right guard spot. I could see Jonah Jackson swinging over to that starting left guard spot with Josh Myers at the center, Wyatt Davis at the right guard, and Alibi potentially at that starting right tackle. I think there will be some competition for that uh, that other right tackle position. Obviously, you have Nicholas Petit Frere, a highly regarded five-star kid uh, who's going to be in the mix. Brandon Bowen's back. Uh, in the mix, he can be a swing offensive lineman to where he can play a guard spot. He's a six-seven guy, so he can also swing out to the tackle position. But I know one thing uh, is true that you mentioned earlier this week when Jackson announced he was going to Ohio State is that you have to really love the depth of the offensive line right now. Uh, at one point, it seemed like it was going to, going to be a lot of question marks with losing so many starters to the NFL, I think this offensive line has the potential to be pretty darn good. It's just going to be up to stud getting it out of them. Because if you look at the back of guys, those are some highly regarded uh, recruits with Harry Miller coming in this summer. He is an absolute animal. I know Bill Kerlick on our board did an article to where he's already throwing up uh, 225, 28 times in the house. They told him to uh, chill out. They've seen enough. He doesn't need to go any further. They don't want him to uh, injure himself. So he's going to be uh, a kid that's going to push for the two deep uh, once he gets on campus. And then a name that a lot of people uh, haven't mentioned is Max Ray, who was also a highly regarded kid coming out of Georgia who redshirted. So he's going to get a look at the, at one of the tackle positions, potentially a guard. So you have uh, your starting five you know, potential guys there. And then you have a, a nice bevy of four four guys behind them that can play multiple positions. So all in all, you you potentially have nine or ten offensive linemen that you can feel pretty good about. Yeah, and Matthew Jones is another guy that, you know, I know he didn't, you know, he registered last year and there from some reports we heard, maybe the coaches weren't too high on him, but he was a highly rated kid. And, you know, maybe the light bulb will come on for Matthew Jones as a redshirt freshman, at least where he can add some depth. I do want to ask you about Brandon Bowen. You touched on him briefly. Um, as a fifth-year senior, if he's healthy, I feel like if he's healthy, he's going to be in that starting lineup, either at right guard or at right tackle, as you mentioned. Just uh, speak a little bit more about Brandon Bowen. Are you a little bit worried him coming? He hasn't played football in a year and a half. That was midway through the 2017 season when he got hurt, broke that leg, hasn't played football since. Are you concerned about that? And just what do you expect out of him this fall? I mean, I'm not necessarily concerned about the injury because I believe he's healed and he's ready to go. This spring is going to be crucial uh, for him. It's probably going to be the most important spring of his football career, uh, considering he's been out of football for so long and he's currently in a position battle. Obviously, when he did win the position back then, it wasn't just an, uh, oh, hey, Brenda Bowen is the head and shoulders better player. He won the position in a battle, and he finds himself in another battle here coming off a uh, major injury and multiple surgeries. So it's going to be critical for him to have a very, very productive spring. And if they can get it out of him, I don't know what he has left in the tank. I would like to give him the benefit of doubt and think that he can get back to that high level that he was playing at. And if he can get to that level, I think he's going to be uh, a major addition to the offensive line. And I agree with you, he will battle for one of the starting offensive alignment positions. 
Jonah, what do you make of them still going after Parker Braun? Because, I mean, first of all, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I just, when they landed Jonah Jackson, you know, all I thought they wanted, they were trying to get one grad transfer offensive lineman, and they they definitely needed one. But I did think once they landed Jonah Jackson, they were going to shut it down as far as grad transfer offensive linemen. So I was encouraged when I read Bill Curlick's really intriguing report that they're still going after Parker Braun. And it's not some shot in the dark. I mean, he's talking to Ryan Day every day. Parker Braun is. Parker Braun's father's involved here, and they really like what's going on at Ohio State. There's even a plan in place where, you know, since he played as a true freshman, Parker Braun did. He still has, you know, two years to play one. He could come here, redshirt, and, and the family seems like they're, this is their idea. They would like this idea. Redshirt gets stronger under Mickey Marotti, plays a fifth year senior in 2020. I mean, the whole thing's very intriguing to me. Um, what do you make of them still going after Parker Braun? I like it. Um, obviously, uh, you could be affecting some of the younger guys if you're bringing him in here. Um, I know some of those younger players, they want to have their crack at bat. But obviously, this is high stakes, high level football. You're going to continue to bring in talent and it's going to be up to those kids to compete and beat, who, beat out whoever they bring in. And I like the idea of bringing in Brian and having him redshirt for a year uh, and then having that type of um, experienced offensive lineman waiting in the wings potentially for next year to slide in there for guys that may be off to the NFL or the next level. I like the idea. Obviously, uh, it the numbers crunch is going to be something they have to look at heading into August. I think with Jackson right now, they may be at 86, and if they bring in Brom, they may be at 87. So you, you will obviously expect with the NCAA uh, transfer portal that's sucking so many kids in that you may have some form of attrition to get you down to those numbers. I'm not too concerned about maybe being one or two spots heading into fall camp because you never know what's going to happen from now until then. All right, last thing. Let's uh, touch on some basketball. Ohio State uh, coming off the huge win over Iowa a couple nights ago. They will travel to Purdue tomorrow, Saturday, 2 p.m., Mackey Arena. The game will be televised by ESPN, again, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, got to say that for all my friends, like in Arizona, for example. Got to throw the Eastern in there. Um mm -hmm. Obviously, this is going to be a hell of a tough game for Ohio State to win, but they put, now put themselves in a position where it's not a must win. You know, they, they, you know, Iowa was pretty much a must win. They need to beat Northwestern at Northwestern. Then they get Wisconsin at home in the regular season finale. I mean, obviously, they would love to win this game tomorrow, but it's going to be tough sledding. Just uh, your thoughts on the game tomorrow and where this uh, team is in general, Jay Book. Yeah, it's going to be um, tough sledding. Obviously, that last win took a little pressure off of them. They obviously needed to get that win against Iowa, which they handled their business there. They actually looked pretty good there. And if you follow some of the, the Ohio State guys on social media, they seem to have a little bounce to their step right now. Will that carry over and the momentum into Purdue? That's to be determined. Hopefully, they can ride this wave, and if they can – it, not even necessarily beating Purdue, but if they can play well and, and really push Purdue to the limits there and, and carry this type of good basketball play as they head into March, that's something that you have to be excited about. 
um, at going into that Iowa game. I know uh, there's been some talk if they were a bubble team uh, or not, and I think that probably elevated them into the actual tournament. So it's just going to be uh, just building on what you're doing right now. You want to be playing your best basketball towards the tournament, and this Ohio State team has the potential to catch fire here. And if they can find a way to really play some good basketball at Purdue, it's really going to help them heading into the end of the season as well into the Big Ten tournament. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, and thank you to our listeners for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's show that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Bye.